going to continue in our Transform series this morning. I've really enjoyed this series and just putting it together. Um, I, I, I can just see how God has just transformed my life just through some of the things that we're going to be talking about today. And today is going to be one of those days that you either love it or you're going to hate it. And I'm sorry, there's no middle ground on this one at all. But back in 1991, the uh, Iron Curtain of the Soviet Union started to lift. Um, and, uh, and, and some of the Eastern European countries that were under Soviet rule started to open up again to, uh, to Westerners being able to go into there. And one of the first um, countries that opened up was a country called Romania. Um, and as the TV cameras went in, they started seeing the, just the poverty and the depravity of, of this country and what happened to all these years of oppression over Soviet rule. And so uh, in the UK, for where I'm from, uh, a lot of the charities and the nonprofits and the churches got together to, to go and help with relief efforts, to go and bring aid to this country uh, because of, of the poverty that was going on. And and the church that I was part of uh, when I was, uh, when I was a, a teenager, um, we went as well. And we went to help. My dad was the pastor. And he got together a missions tr- team of about eight guys. And they, uh, they rented three big trucks. And we filled it with supplies. And they drove from England, caught a ferry to France. And then they drove to Romania. And they were working with a church in Romania. It was a church that had been underground, like not literally underground, but like an underground church. And uh, they had now been able to become like a fully functioning church because of the, the Soviet war had lifted. And so they were working with a pastor and they went, they went for about 16 days. And then when they came back, my, my dad came and he gave us a gift and he gave uh, uh, my sister and myself a gift. Whenever my dad went away, he went away on quite a few different missions trips and different things. He would always bring back gifts. So we we're excited. And as he gives us this gift, he said, before you open it, I just want to give you the context of what this gift is all about and where this gift comes from. He said, this gift isn't from me, but this gift is from the children of the pastor in Romania. He said, they wanted to bless you and give to you. And my dad says, I tried to stop them because they hardly had anything, but they were insistent and they wanted to be generous and bless you. And then my dad said this, he says, before you open it, I want you to understand this, that that year, those kids had two Christmas presents, and this is one of those Christmas presents. And I was like, whoa, okay, what is it? You know, it's like Star Wars thing or something, you know, and everything. And, and I start opening it up, and as I opened that gift, it was a box of chocolates. Something changed and transformed in my heart in that moment as a 12-year-old boy I suddenly started to change the way I thought about life and about things. Because in that moment, I looked at this box of chocolates and I realized I could go and buy a box of chocolates any time that I wanted. But these children, these kids, they had nothing, but they gave out of what they had. And I decided in that moment as a 12-year-old boy that I wanted my life to be about giving out of what I have not out of what I don't have. I wanted my life to be a life about generosity, not about gaining for myself. And in the 25 years since that, 
You know, there, there's been times where I have been generous. There's other times I've kept things for myself. But over those 25 years, I've understood this one thing, that, 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 that my life has to be about giving instead of gaining. Now, if you guys uh, took like a, an account of 2015, this last year, and you created some pie charts. Remember those things in math class? Some of you are like, no, no, not math class. But those things in math class. And if you had a pie chart of your time spent and your money spent, I wonder what they would say. And we got some pie charts I'm going to put up today. And I think this is kind of an average of most of us probably today. So the first one is time spent. So take a look at the time spent. Most of us, we have, every one of us have 24 hours in a day. We have seven days in a week. We have 365 days in a year, except for next year when it's a leap year. Um, but most of us, most of our time is spent working and sleeping. Some people sleep more than they work. Some people work more than they sleep. And then the others is divided between eating and maybe some recreational things. Some of you spend a lot of time watching TV or playing some video game or something like that. Um, then some of you, you spend a colossal amount of time getting ready in the morning where some of you are really quick. And then you see that little slither of church there. So I think that would be kind of an average of how we spend our time. Now let's take a look at the, 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 the money pie chart. And the money pie chart, so we get our money, we get our paycheck, and the majority of it is probably spent on housing, on maybe your mortgage, on your bills, your utilities, uh, making sure that you live on your rent if you don't own. And then the next lot is probably food, uh, maybe get your car payments and gas. Uh, maybe if you've got some debt, maybe some schooling debt or something like that, a lot of your, in- a lot of your uh, income is spent on that. Um, then some of you clothing, and then there's a little slither of giving in there. And that would probably be the average of what most of us would look like. But if, if I'm to be honest with you this morning, this would look very similar to kind of how mine is, my charts. But I don't want my charts to look like that, because the overriding theme of these charts is it's all about me. I'm gaining money so I can spend on me. But this is what I want my life to be. I want people to look at like the pie charts of my life, and the overriding theme would be that Alex Pendock is a generous person. I want my life to be more about giving than it is about gaining. And if you were to be honest this morning, maybe your chart would look very similar to mine, where it's all about what you get in is for yourself, and you're not about generosity, you're about gaining. See, I believe that time and our resources that we have each and every day and each and every month are actually a gift from God. And these resources are to be used for the glory of God. And how we use these resources speaks volumes about what we value, about what we prioritize, and ultimately about who we serve. 
See, it was after receiving the gift of that box of chocolates that I decided I would judge my life not on how much I can gain, not how successful I can become, not how popular or famous I could become, not how broad my networks could become, not how much money I could get, but I would judge my life of how I use my resources to make a difference in other people's lives. And I've discovered in that, 25 years or so after that box of chocolates, that it really is more blessed to give than receive. And some of you, you know that because some of you, you're parents, right? So this Christmas, you, you, you're going to wake up Christmas morning, your kids are going to be like uh, 5.30 in the morning jumping on your bed, can we open our gifts, can we open our gifts? And they're going to go downstairs and they're going to see like a sea of gifts and presents because that's what kind of we do with our kids. And, 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 and if you're like a kid, you don't care about giving, all you really care is about opening that present, opening that paper to see what new thing you can have that you can play with for an hour and then forget about it for like a whole year but that's all you care about but as a parent all you care about you don't care about getting gifts yourself you just care about seeing the joy on your kid's face as they are opening those gifts right because the older I'm getting the more I'm realizing that it really is more blessed to give than it is to receive and this morning I want us to take a look And a story of a man who in the space of one day, his life, his values, his priority and outlook on life was completely transformed. All because he came face to face with Jesus Christ. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going to read verses 1 to 4 first. And it says this. Jesus entered Jericho. And made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus. But he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. So these four verses, we understand this about Zacchaeus. There was a guy called Zacchaeus. He was a successful businessman. In the eyes of culture, he would have been a successful businessman. He had risen through the ranks of his job, and he had become very, very rich. He was successful. The only problem about Zacchaeus is that he was a tax collector. Now, let me just give you a little background about tax collectors. Who likes tax collectors? Who likes it when you get your paycheck every month and you're like, you know what, I'm so glad the government took 20 odd percent of my paycheck. It feels so good. You know, nobody likes tax collectors, right? In the days that Jesus walked this earth, he walked in the region of Judea. They hated tax collectors even more so than we dislike the IRS. And this is why. Tax collectors were employees of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had invaded this region of Judea, which is modern day now Israel and Palestine and all those areas. And they had come and when they came, they started to impose taxes on the people. And as they imposed taxes on the people, they needed people to collect that money and get that money. And so they employed Jewish people like Zacchaeus 
to collect the money to get the money from the people. People, the people didn't like it. The Jewish people hated it because could you imagine one day you never have to pay taxes and the next day, you know, you're paying all these taxes. And what, what you discover in life is that when you take from people's wallets, you start to have a target on your back, right? When you take from people's wallets, they despise you. When you put into people's wallets, they love you, you know, because money talks. And so they hated the tax collectors. What's more is the tax collectors didn't just collect the tax for Rome, but Rome allowed them to then add a tax on top of their tax so that tax collectors could make money for themselves. And so that some of them added a whole lot of taxes. I mean, if you, any of you have ever seen a BG bill, you know you get like tax, 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 tax. It's like you get your electric bill, then you get a distribution bill on top of it, and then you get all this other tax on, on top. It's like your cell phone bill. It's tax after tax, and this is what was happening. And so the tax collectors would take their own, uh, their, their own cut and their own share. The problem was is many of these tax collectors were getting rich at the expense of their brothers and sisters in the culture. See, a lot of these tax collectors, they turned their back on their culture and they were all about money. And so Zacchaeus, the Bible says that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, a chief tax collector, which means that he wasn't the one going out telling everybody, you know, give me your money. He then had people working for him, a company of tax collectors who went out, got the money, brought it back to Zacchaeus, and then Zacchaeus started counting the money. Uh, there was the only thing in Judea at the time that was worse than a tax collector was a chief tax collector, and this was Zacchaeus. See, there's only one reason why you would become a tax collector, and the reason is this, because money is your God, because money is your God. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6 that you cannot serve two masters. That you can only serve God or you can serve money. You can't serve both at the same time. God or money. And Zacchaeus had chosen money over God. Zacchaeus had turned his back on his brothers and sisters, on the people in his community, on his upbringing, on his culture. And he had turned his back on his faith so that he could go and serve money. And while Zacchaeus made money his God, he was a a successful man. And what you find about successful people, they are drawn to success. They are drawn to success. And Jesus, in Zacchaeus' eyes, had become an overnight success. And so Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming. He didn't want to get close to Jesus because Jesus was all about faith and all that. But he wanted to see, okay, is he, is he the real deal? Is he really as successful as people say? And so Zacchaeus, instead of being, you know, at the front of the queue, at front of the line, Jesus comes, he's like, sign my t-shirt, Jesus. You know, instead of doing that, he was like at the back of the crowd. You know, it's like when you go into a place for the first time, you don't want to just sit on the front row. You're at the back, like checking things out, looking around, you know, hope that nobody notices you. That's kind of what Zacchaeus was doing. The problem for Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was short. My wife was in here first, so I didn't say this, but he was probably about as short as my wife, which is really short. So there was tall people, right? And you always find that the tallest people always sit at the front. So you can't see the words or anything like that. And this is what was happening. Zacchaeus couldn't see over because he was short. And so what he did, he ran ahead 
There was a tree, it was a, a sycamore fig tree. He climbed up the tree, hid in the tree, so that when Jesus came by, he could take a look at Jesus. Let's carry on reading. Luke chapter 19, verses 5 to 10. It says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. That's how much they hated the tax collectors. They called them notorious sinners. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said this. I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Salvation has, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those which was lost. We see here the story of Zacchaeus. And if any of you grew up in church and went to a thing called Sunday school, you probably sang a song about Zacchaeus, right? And this was the center of the song. He was a short guy. I mean, that's what we send up, poor guy, you know? I mean, he couldn't do anything about his height. But he was a short guy, and he met Jesus, and he now followed Jesus. It's almost like the salvation story of Zacchaeus, and that's what we center on. But the story is so much more than Zacchaeus just finding Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. In fact, the transformation of Zacchaeus is incredible. It is astounding. And so from this story, I want us to take a look at three things I've picked out about Zacchaeus that we can learn from as well. See, this guy, the moment he met Jesus, he was instantly transformed. And his life went from a life of greed to a life of generosity. He focused now on giving instead of gaining. And so from this story, these are three things that I see. And the first one is this. When we meet Jesus, money changes in appearance. When we meet Jesus, money changes in appearance. See, before he met Jesus, Zacchaeus was all about money. His life was about money. He valued money. His, his values and priorities were about gaining more money. But yet, after meeting Jesus, we see that now Zacchaeus has become a generous person. In fact, the appearance of money changes for Zacchaeus. And instead of money becoming his life, Money now becomes a resource. It becomes a resource. And I tell you this morning, if money is your life source, then you will keep chasing it and chasing it and chasing it and chasing it. And it will never satisfy, no, much, how, no matter how much you have or how little you have. It will never satisfy but when money becomes a resource to you, you start to ask this question, am I going to use this money for myself? Or am I going to use this money for the purposes of God? 
And it starts to realize that a resource is so much better than the life source. And so I ask you today, and this is a hard question, and so I'm not going to actually like, you know, ask you individually. You can just think about this yourself. So when you get your paycheck, right, whether you get it once a month, every other week, or once a week, when you get your paycheck, how do you view that paycheck? Is it your life source? Is it like, I can't live without my paycheck, which most of us, that's the case. Is it the way that you feed your kids? Is it the way that you keep a roof over your head? When you get your paycheck, is, is it all about how much you are gaining? Or how much you can now get because you've got that paycheck? Or do you see it as a resource that God has put in your hands to do with it for the purposes of God? See, Zacchaeus saw a difference in money. No longer was this his life source. It was a resource. And until you see money as a resource, it will never, never satisfy. So when we started this church... My wife and myself, we were renting at the time and we had saved up to buy a house. And, uh, you know, it's not like we had a whole lot of money, but, you know, we put some money aside to buy a house. But when we started the church, we understand, we understood that it takes money to start a church. And so we gave that money that we had for that house to Generation Church because we needed money. And we understood that, you know, it was... It was so much better in the hands of the church for eternal purposes than it was just helping us, you know, get up the property ladder. And it was a, you know, it was a struggle for us in the beginning. So we gave this money and then we decided that, like I said, from age of 12, I decided I wanted to be known for how much I give, not how much I gain. And so, and this doesn't make like Alex and Raquel like all these wonderful people because we struggled. I've tell you, there's been times we struggled, but we made it our goal. We wanted to give 20% of all that came into our household to the local church. And so we, we started doing that. And we didn't earn much money at the time, but we understood that, you know, if we honored God, that God would honor us and, and all that stuff. Well, the more money that we started earning, our tithes kind of stayed the same. Our tithes, our offerings, what we gave to the church stayed the same. And, and then in 2012, we made the decision. God had honored us and blessed us, and we'd been able then to buy a house. And so we bought a house. We went into this house. A whole lot of renovation needed to, to happen. And we made some unwise choices, like all of us do. We all make unwise choices at times. And there's stuff that we like, I liked about our house, but we put way too much money into our house, money that we did not have at the time. And so what happened, then we had all this debt, and this debt was, 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 was like heavy on our shoulders, weighing us down. And so our life became about paying this debt back. And even though the debt was heavy and we're almost there. We almost paid it off, and we're still working at it. And by the end of this, end of next year, I'm like, yes, we're gonna, you know, pay most of it off, and we're, we're we're happy about that. But the saddest thing for me wasn't the weight of the debt. It was the fact that now I could not give at the level I was giving because I'd made unwise choices. My life was about me gaining. For this period of time instead of me giving. And, and, and it was tough. And so what I decided to do. I started to have a giving goals. And so I would encourage every one of you. 
whether you believe in giving to the local church or not. That's beside the point. I would have giving goals. How much can you give to other people? So that money doesn't become about what you gain, it's about what you give. And if you guys have got debt as well, I would also have debt reduction goals or pay off my asset goals. How much do I want to do each year? Every one of you should have a budget, you know, and I know some of you are better than others at that. And, and we were lousy for years at it and still at times pretty lousy. But, uh, but every one of us, I think we should have goals because if you don't have a goal, you'll never hit it. But if you have a goal, you can work towards it. And for Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus got to this point where money changes its appearance. And it was no longer a God to Zacchaeus, for he had met the one great resource. That was Jesus Christ. And now he started to imagine the difference he can make with the resources that he had. So when you meet Jesus, money changes in appearance. The second thing I see from this story is this. When you meet Jesus, the minimum is just that. The minimum. So Zacchaeus was a Jewish man, and uh, in the Jewish culture, they they, they were raised uh, and they were taught something called the tithe. Tithe literally trans, translates ten percent. And so these uh, these Jewish people they 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 grew up learning that you were to give a tithe to the temple of God. And what it was, it was all the resources that you would, you would get, you would give to the temple of God and they would use it for various things, use it for sacrifices to God, they would use it for um, feeding the poor and helping uh, the widows and then also to help the Levitical priests as well in their life. And so Zacchaeus grew up knowing that he was to give a tithe, a tenth to the local temple. See, a tithe was a big, big deal to God. And if you read Malachi chapter 3, and I encourage, you know, one night, if you want to feel that God's angry, then just go read Malachi chapter 3. Because Malachi chapter 3 talks about this. There's a bunch of people who are giving to the temple, but they're not giving the whole tithe. And so God turns to them and he says, because you're not giving your whole tithe, this whole 10%, then you are robbing and cheating me. I mean, I think it's a little kind of much, God. I mean, robbing and cheating, those are strong words. But that's what God says. See, it was a big deal to God. And a lot of people think that because we're now Christians, we don't have to tithe. Which, I've never heard a good argument for that. And actually, if you read the New Testament, I would actually say that probably you need to give more than a tithe. The things that Jesus says, the things that Paul says, it actually, you should be more generous than the Israelites. And Zacchaeus knew the tithe, and obviously at this point in his life, he was not tithing. But yet, he met Jesus, and the first thing he did was start to tithe. But he didn't just tithe once. This man tithed a multiple of five times. The Bible says he gave half of his wealth to the poor. Half of his wealth to the poor. And I've heard many people over the years saying, well, Alex, I can't afford to tithe. Or, Alex, I've got debts that I've got to pay first before I I, I tithe. Shouldn't I be paying my debts first? And, and And this is what I would say to people who said that they shouldn't tithe. Or they can't afford to tithe. It's obviously that we're not using our resources that God has given us wisely. And 
I'm a prime example of somebody who had a lot of debt. But I understood that I still, the first tenth that I had was to the Lord. Because I understood my unwise choices should not shortchange God. Just because I made unwise choices in my life doesn't mean I shortchange God now. And, and that's what I would say to people who said that they can't afford to tithe. Let me, let me show you this. I want to show you this quote from John Rockefeller. Anyone know who John Rockefeller is, right? At one point, he was the richest man in the world. What people don't know about John Rockefeller is he wasn't just a churchgoer. He was a devout Christian. And this is what John Rockefeller said once. He said this, yes, I tithe. I would like to tell you how it all came about. I had, began, begin, I had to begin work as a small boy to help support my mother. My first wages amounted to $1.50 per week. The first week after I went to work, I took the $1.50 home to my mother. She held it in her lap and explained to me that she would be happy if I would give a tenth of it to the Lord. I did, he said. And from that week until this day, I have tithed every dollar God has entrusted to me. And then he says this. And I want to say, if I had not tithed the first dollar I made, I would not have tithed the first million dollars I made. Then he instructs this. Tell your readers to train the children to tithe and they will grow up to be faithful stewards of the Lord. And in the words of John Rockefeller, as your pastor this morning, I tell you this, you need to tithe. Because people who tithe show themselves as faithful stewards of God. You see, you may say, well, I can't afford to tithe. If you can't afford to tithe now, when you're a multimillionaire, you won't be able to afford to tithe. See, tithing isn't about how much or how little we have. It's about an act of obedience to God. It's not about gaining the church, gaining money. It's about an act of obedience to God. And let me tell you, if you feel that you can't afford to tithe, let me just do some math for you right now. So a tithe, what, 10%. Then... Just business people will tell you or uh, investment experts will tell you that you have to save 15% in your retirement over a long period of time in order to live the life that you're living right now when you retire. So we got 75%, right? So if you can't live off 75% of your income, I'll tell you this this morning, you are living above your means. You're living above your means, which means that if you continue to live above your means for a long period of time, Eventually, things are going to get a whole lot worse than they are right now. So I encourage you to start looking at your budget in ways that you can start working so you're only living off 75% of your income. That's tough, I know, because we live in a culture where everybody wants to gain more and more and more. But when you meet Jesus, the minimum is just that, the minimum. And the last thing, very quickly this morning before we finish. When you meet Jesus, your priorities change. See, Zacchaeus, when he met Jesus, he, he realized he had cheated people. And so he says, I'm going to give back to the people I cheated. But I'm not just going to give back. I'm going to give back four times as much to the people I cheated. 
See, over the last few, several years, I've had a, a wonderful opportunity through just this church and then uh, my other job that I have to meet some very, very successful people. And as I've seen them, seen some at close, seen some at a distance, I've kind of studied their life, like what makes them a success? And I've discovered two things. The first is hard work. The second is generosity. If you look at people, or I've looked at people who are somewhat successful, maybe they've done good at their job, but they're not very successful, somewhat successful. And you always see this trait, they're hard workers. You can't be a success if you're not a hard worker. But the difference between the somewhat successful and the very successful, and I'm not just talking about Christians, I'm talking about non-Christians, people who would never even think about stepping foot in a church. The difference between the somewhat successful and the very successful, I've noticed is this, their generosity. Their generosity. I want to show you a list of people on the screen. And some of it, you may know some of these names. You may not know some of these names. I'll read them out for you. There's Paul White, Sir John's Mark Templeton, Andrew Carnegie, William Colgate, Henry Crowell, Jack Eckard, Albert Hyde, Robert Laidlord, James Cash Penny. What a great name, right? Uh, John Rockefeller and Stanley Tam. Some of you, you know some of those names. Some of them you don't. But I'm sure you know all the companies that they founded or they were part of. These people, they were highly, highly successful people. But the overriding theme about their lives isn't that they were a success. The overriding theme about their lives is this. They were generous. They lived a life of generosity. Let me just tell you just a little bit back. James Cash Penny, J.C. Penny, as we know it, became a very successful man. By the time he retired, he was giving 90% of his income to the local church. How many wish J.C. Penny came to this church, right? 90%. Then you have Henry Crowell. You may not know who he is, but he was the founder of Quaker Oats. He gave 70% of his income to the church and to the poor. 70%. Then you have William Colgate, who I trust this morning, many of you of you used his products. I hope you did. If you don't, I encourage you to use his products. <laughs> By the time he died, he had given everything that he had ever earned or gained away to God's service to the Lord. Every single one of these is a success because the outlook in life wasn't what I could gain, it was what I can give. And Zacchaeus changed his priorities. He didn't just become a giver, he became a generous giver. And I want to ask you today, and I want to leave you with this question for you this week to mull over to ask yourself, to maybe ask your spouse as well as you come, come together. How generous are you? How generous are you? See, I think many of us, we need to change our priorities so that we become more about giving than we do about gaining. And I'm going to be very honest, and this is going to be hard for you to hear right now, some of you. But if you are not giving at all, and statistics will tell us that one in four people who go to church across the United States, never give a dime to the church. One in four. If you are not giving at all, then over the course of the next week, next couple of weeks, maybe next couple of months, as you're thinking about Christmas coming up, start to look at your budget and think and try to find ways that you can give. 
So you become more about a giver than a gainer. If you are giving and not tithing, which many, many people do, you give and not tithe, I'm going to challenge you and implore you this morning to, over the course of the next couple of months, next maybe year, to find a way in your life to change your priorities so that you start walking in obedience to God so that you can tithe and start tithing unto God. If you are tithing, then I commend you. Because I know how hard it is. Because sometimes you're like, God, I don't have it. But you trust in God. I know how hard it is to tithe. But if you are a tither, then I'm going to challenge you guys this morning as well. To now start looking at your life, not about just giving 10% and the rest is mine, but now start to look at your life about how can I now be generous with my life? How can my life be about giving instead of gaining? See, some of us, our resources aren't very much. They, don't, they have to stretch a long, long way. But if you get the money thing right, I believe if you walk in obedience to God, God will honor you. This isn't about prosperity. This isn't about getting lots of money or anything like that. It's about honoring God and God honoring you. See, if you don't give now, then you'll never give. If you don't give while you've got a little, you'll never give while you've got a lot. See, it's not about how much you have. It's about the heart of being a generous person. And the heart of Jesus is somebody who is generous. Let's bow our heads in prayer.